Hello, and welcome to the Extension Experience podcast with your hosts, Josh Bouchong, Trent Malachik, and Dana Zook. Here you'll find insights into Oklahoma agriculture from West Area Specialists employed by Oklahoma State University Extension. Their perspectives come from assisting county educators and producers in the areas of agronomy, animal science, and economics. Thank you for joining us. Welcome back to the Extension Experience Podcast. My name is Trent Malachik. I'm Dana Zook. And Josh Bashong. Uh, today, we got a special guest with us. We got Wesley. He's with the MESNET. He's the ag coordinator there, and he's still with OSU Extension. He's an assistant state extension specialist with us. And uh, Wes, do you want to give a little kind of background of yourself real quick? Certainly. Glad to be here with you all today. Uh, I've been around about as long as anybody has an extension uh, that's with us today. I'm working on my 32nd year, so started in 1989. Uh, we get into talking about Mesonet in a minute. You know, that system's been in place since 1994. So I was here pre-Mesonet days and actually helped uh, locate a couple of sites across the state. I've spent about half of my career in county extension offices and the other half primarily in an area extension office similar to what y'all have done uh, my trainings primarily in uh, entomology. So weather is something uh, new to me and I'm actually still taking classes, uh, trying to learn a little bit more about weather as we go along. But uh, about three years ago, I got the opportunity to come to work with the Oklahoma Mesonet, uh, transferred from a county extension office in McLean County and have been here uh, this March will be three years. Wow, I can't believe it's been that long. It just seems like we did that first farm show just the other day when you just started with the Mesnet. Yeah, unfortunately, that Enid farm show, you know, didn't happen this year. I always look forward to coming into y'all's part of the state up there. It's one of the bigger trade shows that we get to do every year. And unfortunately, that one, as well as the other 30 farm shows that I do a year, mostly got canceled last year. I didn't realize you would do 30 farm shows. That, that's a part of your job I didn't realize. <laughs> wow. Between 20 and 30 each year, uh, when I say farm show, it's farm shows, uh, association meetings, you know, Oklahoma Cattlemen's Farm Bureau, uh, peanut growers, everything from that list, as well as a half a dozen farm shows, type shows around the state. Wow. Hopefully, if it if it happens, we're, we'll be back in Woodward for a farm show in a couple of months. I, I think it's still on track at this point in time. So at those farm shows, Wes, you usually are helping uh, producers figure out the app, right? Correct. We try to, you know, to bring our different uh, venues that we present uh, weather information out to the client. Uh, everybody pretty much has a smartphone today. Not everybody takes the time to sit in front of a computer screen like we have the opportunity to do. So we bring different phone platforms to the farm show, uh, try to encourage producers and homeowners uh, to introduce them to the Mesonet app. and then we. Uh, I'd load a lot of it on their phones and a lot of them have it and just don't know how to operate it. So we spend time trying to show them some of the features of the apps as well. Well, Wes, we're definitely glad you're still with us and getting a little bit of OSU orange there, Norman. Definitely a lot of things we can discuss about Mesnet, but let's probably just go ahead and talk about weather trends and maybe La Nina this year. Typically La Nina's cool season period, that October to April maybe warmer, drier for the Southern Great Plains, how we've been faring out this year. 
Yeah, that uh, La Nina, El Nino is one of the weather patterns that the meteorologists look at to try to help predict our weather uh, patterns through those months you mentioned, October through April, primarily the winter months. There are actually three cycles with the with the El Nino cycles. They're a, they're a positive, a neutral, or a negative. Uh, so right now we're in the La Nina, the girl phase of the of that weather pattern. Uh, it's very complex, but it basically means that the Pacific waters off the coast of Africa all the way to the other continent are cooler than normal on the surface. And therefore, uh, we tend to, to get a particular set of weather conditions when that happens. The thing about the ENSO pattern or that El Nino pattern is that it's fairly predictable. It tends to do the same thing most years, uh, depending on what that, that water temperature is. This year, conditions they're predicting or were predicting for us to be uh, drier and warmer. That tends to be what happens for most of Oklahoma. But keep in mind that the dividing line between what happens uh, in the U.S. is basically the north northern line of Oklahoma. So a little bit of oscillation north or south and things just don't seem to, to jive. And that's kind of what has happened this year. Uh, also wanted you to keep in mind that, that the ENSO pattern is only one of about 10 weather patterns that are out there that affect uh, the weather in the United States. Most uh, meteorologists think it maybe contributes about 30% of our winter weather pattern. And so even though it hasn't fallen uh, exactly the way that they predicted it to happen this year, there's so many other things that impact our weather. It's just one of, of many different factors that come in. They're called oscillations. This one being the, the Central Pacific Oscillation, but there's eight or 10 other oscillations that could impact our weather. Uh, also keep in mind that this weather pattern happens from you know, the fall through the spring. And in fact, most of the impact from this weather pattern tends to be in the latter part. So December, January through latter part of March. So just because we've been a little bit uh, wetter than what the, the meteorologists predicted so far, doesn't mean we're going to finish out the year with those pretty good conditions for growing growing wheat and other crops. So what you're saying is we really only may have started with La Nina. It's just mid-January when we record this. And so we could be dry through April or something Definitely. like that. If, if Definitely we could. And in fact, if you look at, say, January 1 on, there hadn't been much moisture in the state. You know, the maps are showing us somewhere between 10 and 30 percent of normal for January to date. I don't see a whole lot in the forecast, you know, the short term forecast to, to make that change. So, yes, we're in a dry pattern. But keep in mind, January and February are the two driest months of the year statewide. So we don't expect to get a whole lot of rainfall this time of year. A one inch rain uh, or in y'all's case, a, a five-inch snow could change those predictions totally. And in fact, that's what's happened. Uh, if you rule out the, the one major storm event that y'all had uh, in the northern part of the state, the, you know, the moisture that came with that and the two smaller snows, we would be extremely dry. You know, so we're fortunate to have picked up some snow in the state uh, with about three storms that's allowed our, our wheat and other winter crops to look pretty good to date up there so far, but we're not out of the woods yet. We still have about three or four months for this weather pattern that could potentially impact us 
And in fact, if you look at the National Weather Service predictions for drought, they're predicting the western third of Oklahoma to slip back into some kind of drought before spring planting time. I always find it interesting. Our wheat farmers out here, they take notice of the El Nino, La Nina's. Probably a good observation last fall, there's a lot of guys that when we had early moisture, we had a lot of earlier sown wheat. And at first, I didn't think we were going to have any wheat pasture. And then we finally got those rains, especially by Halloween. And we had some, some above average temperatures, but overall, you'd say we're about average on temperature. But we did have some growth in there that we actually picked up some wheat pasture and we've been going pretty good there. But like you said, since the first of the year, it's been dry as we got out west. And that wheat pasture is going to be hurting pretty good if we're starting to up that stocking rate. You know, Mesonet, we measure just about any kind of weather variable that, that's uh, available out there from air temperatures to soil temperatures to rainfall, solar radiation, a number of other things. Uh, we're able to take that raw weather data and put it into tools that farmers and ranchers can use. One of our tools is a, de a degree day calculator, uh, Josh, that I know you're quite familiar with. And I spent some time yesterday working on a story for SunUp, looking at wheat growing degree days. And even though you said we've been close to normal on temperatures, especially in the wheat belt of Oklahoma, wheat tends to grow anytime that temperature is above 40 degrees. And so if we look at this year's growing conditions, they've been pretty good for wheat. They've been better than they have the last couple of years. And our wheat growing degree days are actually a little bit ahead of schedule because we've not had that extreme cold weather those days that never got above 40, we've not had a lot of those days. So our wheat should be looking pretty good as long as, you know, our producers taking care of the agronomic qualities and he has the moisture in the ground to grow. Well, Wes, for me, that that's good because I did not take care of the agronomic principles like I should have, and I didn't plant enough wheat and I planted it really late. So I'm hoping uh, your data is good for my situation. I even looked at, in January, average like one inch of rainfall. It's pretty low compared to the rest of the month. I guess it's kind of normal to be dry, yeah. right? That's what I meant. At this time of year, you know, mm -hmm. December, January, February, uh, if we can pick up an inch of rain, it could, it could make you look like you're well ahead of schedule. Or if you miss the rain, if you're expecting one inch and you get zero, then, then you're way behind schedule. The other fortunate thing about wintertime, it doesn't take as much moisture to, to grow a crop. Our evapotranspiration rates are low, uh, somewhere around a, a tenth to a twentieth of an inch a day for most crops, whereas in the summertime, we might need uh, three-tenths or four-tenths of an inch of, of moisture a day to keep those crops actively growing. So we can kind of go a little longer between rain events or snow events to keep the crop headed in the right direction. I want to back up and say something about that La Nina pattern, if you don't mind, if you'll give me the ability to yeah. do that. Yeah. You know, yeah. things look good in Oklahoma. Uh, this is a pattern that, that typically, you know, impacts the whole United States. Southwest United States is following that La Nina pattern pretty well. In fact, if you look at the drought maps all the way to the Oklahoma line, they're really hurting in southwest United States. We've just been fortunate to be able to pick up those snow events that have kept us from following that expected trend on that La Nina, that dry, warm conditions. We've been close to normal on temperature and actually slightly above normal on rainfall for at least the western half of the state. My folks have experienced extremely dry conditions this winter have had snow, but just very little. And so I kind of felt like they were experienced that in some ways too. But 
I don't know. Does it seem like maybe the northern United States is a little drier or is that just kind of a. It tends to, to make that part of the country wetter okay. uh, and possibly cooler. That hasn't came to pass. It doesn't seem like they're definitely not wetter than normal. But again, as we started the conversation off, a switch in that jet stream 60 miles north or south could change the maps uh, dramatically. It's not uncommon for, for northeastern Oklahoma to be wet in a La Nina year. And this year, the whole northern half of the state has picked up some moisture that we didn't expect to, to happen. And also keep in mind that just because, you know, I mentioned there's a, a La Nina, a neutral, and a La Nina, there's different strengths of those events. At the first of the season, they were predicting a very strong La Nina pattern. It didn't turn out to be quite as strong as they were uh, impacting. You know, water temperature does change from the, the ocean currents can mix those warm and cool waters. So maybe some of the impacts that they were predicting early on got muted a little bit as we went along. In fact, if you look at the forecast of the drought predictions two months ago or even a month ago, they were predicting almost the entire state of Oklahoma to be in some kind of a drought by the start of spring. And now they're only saying it's likely that the western third of the state will either continue in a drought. Keep in mind, we're not out of a drought. Uh, we still have about 10 or 20 percent of the state in some type of a drought in far southwestern Oklahoma, parts of the Panhandle. Uh, but the meteorologists are expecting that area to expand uh, as we get closer to spring. So, Wes, tell well, us about a couple of those tools that you have on the mesonet. I always think about the cattle comfort advisor, but then I'm sure Josh would want you to mention the first hollow stem. There are just some really cool things that people can take advantage of. We'll start with the cattle comfort advisor. I think there are 16 different what I call value added tools. The cattle comfort index is one of our newer tools. It was, I like to think of it as, as like a wind chill or a heat index for humans, but it's geared towards animals that can't come inside out of the weather like we can or can't put another layer of coat on. So it uses a lot of different weather variables to predict how cattle are actually feeling when they're out there in the, in the weather situations. I think it's a very good tool of helping especially younger or less experienced producers uh, how to handle winter storm events. And maybe uh, since it is a prediction tool, they can start feeding those cattle herds ahead of those storm events if necessary to try to help overcome some of the issues with that. Uh, most of our tools are agronomic. Uh, we already mentioned the growing degree days uh, like we did on wheat, but we have that tool for just about every major growing crop in Oklahoma. Uh, we have some insect tools and some disease tools, uh, some horticulture tools for grapes, pecans, peanuts. Since we're talking mainly wheat in your part of the state, you know, it's the time of year when we start thinking about top dressing wheat or uh, we start thinking about dual purpose wheat, pulling cattle off. You know, we have a couple of tools that will help with that. As from the top dressing, the tool that, that would apply to that would be growth days, wheat growth days. And it simply counts the number of days since planting that the temperature gets above 40 degrees. And that, that number is important if you happen to have an enriched strip and be utilizing the, the NDVI green seeker technology to try to determine when top dressing is best applicable to that. The other tool for wheat is the first hollow stem. I think it's a really neat tool for producers. Uh, they can plug in the variety that they're growing that year onto the tool. It's based on soil uh, temperatures. So, so wheat tends to grow 
are developed based on soil temperatures. And uh, we're able to predict when that wheat is going to reach first hollow stem uh, for your particular area or wherever your closest mesonet site. I uh, looked at it this morning, you know, we're nowhere near getting close to first hollow stem. It'll always happen in the southern counties first and, and make its way uh, north. It's it's getting pretty close. I just looked at it as well. And, you know, looking at Granfield area for early maturing wheat varieties, February 5th, it, it had over a three quarter percent chance of first hollow stem. Yeah. So. so, you know, it is getting, it is growing in there. And like we mentioned on that wheat growing degree days earlier, we are a little bit ahead of schedule, at least compared to the last couple of years. Uh, we had a really warm year about five years ago. So if you look at the averages, it kind of, kind of throws things off, but yeah, it, if we continue with this slightly warmer than normal trend that we've seen the, since at least the first of the of the year, then maybe we'll we'll be reaching that first hollow stem a little bit earlier than what a lot of producers uh, expect. Uh, that tool I like to to emphasize that producers use it as a tool to determine when to get out in the field and actually look, not to make yeah. a decision based on the the computer model but it will help them to know when it's time to get out and start clipping stems and looking for that first hollow stem. Josh, will you tell our listeners about the first hollow stem and proling cattle off? At OSU, we've kind of developed a system to gauge the crop for a dual purpose where we're wanting to harvest a forage with grazing and then as well as harvest a grain crop off of it. And so we looked at all the research and it kind of goes back to when it starts to go reproductive at that joining stage, is which most people would refer to it as once that stem starts to joint and elongate upwards, uh, that's what we're referring to that first hollow stem. And we define it as when that first node is a half inch elongated or about the size of a dime. We need to start pulling off those cattle because grazing past that time uh, will have more stress on the crop because uh, we're removing that leaf matter. We want that crop to regenerate some leaf matter to make that yield. But also once that growing point starts to elongate enough, we are going to have some hoof traffic. And if it does get long enough, we're going to have some of it be consumed by the, the grazing animal itself. So uh, that's a, to maximize grain yield, uh, looking at that first hollow stems, a, a big component of that dual purpose system. Yeah, I just wanted and, to make sure we mentioned that before we <laughs> get too far. It's such a cool tool. It's kind of a unique situation right. from across the United States. I mean, we talked about this with Daryl Peel previously. Wheat pasture is a really unique crop as well as a forage resource for cattle here. And it just works perfectly here. And so that's why we have such cool tools at the Mesonet to help us make the best of that crop. A lot of our tools on the, the Mesonet website are are could be actually valuable to a lot of other states around us. This one, I would say maybe producers in North Texas or Southern Kansas, but outside of that area, it's probably mm -hmm. not applicable to them. So. Well, but. I got on a little while ago too and looked as far as your horticulture tool. And it says I should not plant my garden until March 1st. Tomatoes, not till like the second weekend uh, in April. So I think based on where you put what site that you claim as your site, this here, this one was based on kind of the Enid, Breckenridge, Lahoma area, but I thought that was a good guide. Yeah, we're one of the few mesonet systems in the country. Uh, we'll probably need to state that, that, you know, when people say mesonet, since we've been around the old, we're one of the oldest and the largest and have more products than probably most of the rest of them put together. When you say mesonet, a lot of people just think we're the only one, but there are over half of the states have some type of mesonet system out there. 
Uh, fortunately, we're one of the largest and the oldest, and we tend to have some products that other states don't have, including soil temperature and soil moisture, which is really hard for us to keep going. But since we do have those sensors in the ground, we have them at two inches, four inches, 10 and 24 inches, we can give you a pretty good idea of, of how things are changing in your location. And so like planting a garden or putting tulips in the ground in the fall, we can tell you, when, you know, what your soil temperature is in your region uh, because looking at the calendar is not always the best way to do that. We have soil moisture, soil temperature maps. We, have, uh, we tend to average those because you know, sunlight can change, say, soil temperature in a matter of hours. So we tend to look at, say, a three-day average soil temperature from a particular depth to make those decisions on when to plant a garden or, or in Josh's case, when to plant a crop into the ground. You mentioned that Oklahoma Mesnet's got a lot more tools and management applications, but we also have a, a larger amount of stations across the state, don't we? We have 120 counties. That tends to be, or, sorry, 120 stations, at least one in every county, uh, all of the OSU research stations, and then you know other places scattered out, mostly on private land. Uh, most of those stations, over 100 of them have been there since the, the beginning of the program, which was 1994, January 1. Uh, the others we've had to move occasionally. We have to, for example, we're having an issue at Weber's Falls on the other side of state. A producer uh, built, is building a structure close to the tower. So we're in the process as we speak of trying to locate another location to, put a, to move our tower to. But we like to leave them in the same location so we have that historical data, data for a site some areas of the state, like the Panhandle, you know, there's three counties in the Panhandle, we have seven towers. So we're pretty well covered uh, some of the larger ag, ag areas of the state. Mesonet was started uh, for two reasons, for public safety and for agriculture. So anywhere there's major agriculture activity, you know, we have a Mesonet tower in that part of the, of the state. It's definitely a big resource. And if someone doesn't know about it, they can learn a lot more from it. The best place to start is mesonet.org. That's our website, just mesonet.org. Or if you want to pull up an app, uh, go to your app store, whether it's Apple or Android, and just type in Oklahoma Mesonet, and you'll get our, our uh, app to download for you. It's Everything we have is free for citizens of the state of Oklahoma. No, we're starting to run a little bit low on time here, but we do have some events coming up where we can learn more about uh, weather and managing cattle and forages and dry weather patterns in the Ranchers Thursday lunchtime series. First episode that we're going to be a part of is this Thursday, January 28th, and then the following Thursday, February 4th. Yeah, these are just one-hour luncheon meetings. So, uh, you know, if you grab something to eat and can sit down at a computer, they're online Zoom meetings. Uh, we're going to be talking about some of the things, same things we did on this uh, podcast, but in a little more detail, uh, we have one speaker talking about available programs, financial assistance for producers who happen to be in one of those drought declared counties uh, on it. We'll be discussing this INSO weather pattern in more detail, uh, as well as some things you can do for your warm season and cool season crop uh, if things don't continue to stay moist like they have the last couple of months. If they get drier, like most meteorologists are predicting, a few tips and tools that you might can do to stretch things out until we reach the you know better growing conditions in the early summertime. If you want to register for those lunchtime series, the Ranchers Thursday lunchtime series, you can go to beef.okstate.edu website and register for those online webinars. With that, Wes, do you have anything else to add? 
Well, lastly, especially if these predictions become true for the next two or three months, I just want to warn people about uh, wildfire outbreaks uh, in your part of the state. They're predicting some pretty bad situation the end of March, 1st of April, if, if these drier weather predictions come true. We've had enough moisture to have some fuel loads. Uh, if it doesn't rain, then, then we got to be extremely careful until green up happens mid-April uh, and on. So just, just a word of precaution on that. Excellent. Uh, thanks for joining us today, Wesley. And It's been my pleasure. Uh, thanks for listening and hope to see you next time. We hope you've enjoyed what you've heard. If you would like to hear more or follow up on the discussed topics, please reach out to your local county extension agent. OSU has a presence in all 77 counties with educators eager to assist you. Also, please consider checking the description for links to our social media pages and further information pertinent to the conversation. Thanks again and we'll talk to you soon.